the Pittsburgh Penguins suffered one of their most embarrassing losses of the year over the weekend against the San Jose Sharks, a 6-4 loss to one of the worst teams in hockey. Starting today's show, I'm going to get into why this team lost the way it did and just how concerned I am about this team going forward into the bye week and then obviously into the second half of the season. We're also going to get get into a big trade that just went down as well and how that can impact the Penguins um, later on in this episode. That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Elmer Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more to visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And, again, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So <clears throat> let's jump into this. Shark six, Penguins four, by far one of their worst performances of the season. It got off to another terrible start. Um, and that has been a main key for how bad this team has been to start games this season. For whatever reason, they just are not starting on time. I don't know what it is. I wish I could provide you an answer to that question. Because I've been getting in a lot in my DMs. Some people have been commenting it. Hunter, what has been going on with these starts? I don't have an answer for you. I don't know if they got off the bus on a wrong note or if they pull up to the arena and their car's on a wrong note. I don't know, but it's very concerning and it's getting very frustrating with the way that they have been playing two-star games. Their attention to detail is not there. Their focus is not there. And they're leaving guys wide open in front of the net every freaking time to start a game. And that's why they've been down. It feels like almost every game at this point to start. You know, it's... The fact that I'm almost blanking on how good they've started a game, like what was the last time they really started a game on the right note and didn't give up a goal in the first few minutes, that that said, that says something. You know, hey, it happened against Washington, happened against San Jose, happened against Florida after they actually had a decent start in the first five minutes. You know, the Ducks, it's just, it's been constant. And, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons that they are on a losing, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, they've lost more games lately again because they're not starting out games on time. If they had just been doing that and the vibe check had been good and all this stuff, then maybe they they would be jumping out to these two, nothing, three, nothing, four, nothing, heck even, you know, five, nothing leads or something like that. But you know, that's more unlikely, but <clears throat> they're just getting themselves into these early holes. One, nothing two nothing. Heck, even when they score to take a lead, like you, they did against the sharks in the first period, right? 10 seconds left in the period thinking, oh yeah, going to roll into that first intermission up a goal. Nope. Another guy left wide open in front of the net. This time, Eric Carlson. And it's like, again, this time it's at the end of periods. Where is the focus and the attention to detail? Mike Sullivan kind of blamed himself after the game where he said, yeah, it's on me. I got to do a better job coaching this team. Okay, then do it because this has been a problem all season. And I don't think some, you know, enough people that, you know, cover the team or that are on Penn Twitter and stuff 
are talking about it. This team at the end and at the beginning of periods are is awful. In the middle frame of the periods, they're fine. They're actually skating. They're doing well. But it seems like they're just coasting to start and end periods. And you know, it's really costing them goals. And it's, it's costing them also valuable points in the standings the way this one did against the Sharks. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> You know, over this weekend, 6-4 loss to a team that was starting one of the worst goalies in the league. And, oh yeah, also played the night before in overtime. They blew a two-goal lead with less than two minutes left of the Hurricanes. And then lost it in overtime. They are actively trying to lose. You cannot. And the thing was that it was 4-4 to with less than five minutes to go in that third period. You got to get at least get a point out of that game. The fact that you couldn't even get one. It's just really concerning to me. So, you know, <clears throat> one of my main reasons, again, is their start to and the end of periods. And also just their defensive work in the defensive zone has been atrocious as of late. Guys are wide open in front of the net. It feels like virtually every shift. Um, Pedersen and Petrie had a night to forget against Sharks on a couple of those goals. Are chasing, they're both chasing one player behind the net. And it's like, I don't know who made that read, but that was wrong. And, you know, the the one that won the game, um, POJ made a really ill-advised pass in the neutral zone, and the Sharks come back the other way. It's a two-on-one. You want to save from DeSmith there, and I'll get to him in just a second. But it's like you got to stop giving up all of these automan rushes and also playing such soft defense in front of your net. I don't think it's a coincidence. <clears throat> well, I don't, wanna, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say that. It is very weird to me that this team plays way worse in front of Casey DeSmith than it does in front of Tristan Jari. And the numbers do not lie. I can look them up as we are recording this right now. What, what, what are we at right now? We're about six, six o'clock on a Monday evening. Um, <clears throat> five on five defense for the Penguins in front of Casey DeSmith. In 960 minutes at 5v5, the Penguins expected goals against per 60. 2.81, a whole lot of red blob in front of the net means, you know, those are more chances than, you know, than average. And the same thing for um, <clears throat> about 40 feet out, 20 feet out to the right side, up top to the point 50 out, you know, but you all get my drift, right? Switch that over to Trish and Jari. In 300 more minutes, the Penguins expected goals against per 65 with Jari in net. 2.53, a whole lob of blue in front of the net, which is lower shot shots on goal per average compared to other teams. The red is about 40, 30 feet out. And, you know, that pay, plays a role, I think, in Jari's numbers being better. But I think it's also evident that the Penguins, <clears throat> I don't know, do they like playing in front of Tristan a lot more than they do um, Casey DeSmith? They might. I, I, I don't know. But it is very weird to me that this team decides to play even worse defense in front of your backup. Because when you think about it, right, it seems like you would want to play better defense in front of your backup because he's your backup for a reason. Get my drift? Your starter, you can play maybe a little more loose because he can bail you out in more situations. But for the Penguins with DeSmith, they're doing the opposite. They're playing worse in front of him than they are in front of their starter. It's just very, I think that's another reason why they lost this game as well. And finally, my third and final reason why they lost this one, I'm not going to say special teams here, Casey DeSmith. I will say some of the goals he gave up were impossible to stop. 
The second goal, Eric Carlson to tie up late in the first period. No, I'm not going to complain about that one. The first goal, left wide open from the net. Not really going to complain about that one. Empty netter. It's an empty netter for a reason. But that fifth one with um, less than five minutes to go in the third period, make a save there. I understand it's on a two-on-one. POJ made a bad pass in the neutral zone or coming out of his defensive zone into the neutral zone. But that's a save a lot of goalies make. You have to make it. I was honestly surprised the Penguins didn't even challenge for goalie interference there, to be honest. And then also uh, the fourth goal um, to make it 4-3. Shots going in from the point. And that was the one where he smashed his stick on the ice, went to the bench, basically threw the stick. I wouldn't say at the equipment manager, but just threw it into the hallway. He was he was pissed off about that, and rightfully so. Make two right there. Make a save. I'm tired, you know, and the inconsistencies are so tiring at this point. Just so freaking tiring. You know, you should be able to beat a team like the Sharks when you score four goals on 40 shots. And that was the thing. I know Kakinen made some really nice saves in the final few minutes of that third period, even when it was 4-4 before Logan Couture scored. Teddy Bluger had a chance that somehow did not go in, but that's just a a summary of Teddy Bluger's season at this point. But even after that, when they made it 5-4, plenty of great saves from Kakinen. But before that, Penguins scored four on him. I'm sorry. you Four goals should be enough to beat one of the worst teams in the league. Get better goaltending. If Tristan Jari cannot be good when he comes back, this team is probably done. And I hate saying that because this is probably the first time I am legitimately worried about their chances of making the playoffs in the Sydney Crosby and Kenny Malkin era going back to 2005-06 and then 2006-2007 when this streak originally started. That is how, how concerned I am right now with this team and how they've been playing as of late and how it just really culminated into that gross effort that you saw against the Sharks um, <clears throat> over the weekend. It's not good enough. Those are the three main reasons why I think they lost this one. Coming up in the second segment, we are going to touch on why it is finally time. Well, should, it was time a long time ago, but why it is really time for Ron Hexall to make a move, especially after what the New York Islanders just did. If you didn't see that, I have some news for you coming up right after this break. But... Before we get to that, we got to touch on, well, I jumped the gun just a little bit. Not FanDuel just yet, but Athletic Green, Athletic Greens. That is our next partner that they have a product I use literally every day. I start taking Athletic Greens because, you know, I sometimes don't have time when I wake up in the morning. I want a better gut health, more energy. But now that I've been on it for the last few weeks, I absolutely love it. I know it doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste. Um, but it's still something I look forward to each and every morning. So you're probably wondering, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It's also lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It also costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's also cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. They also have over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with conveniently gaining nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. And that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements um, to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Gains is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash network to take ownership of your health 
and think of the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So big, big trade went down just before I got off of work. And also, I'm smelling some very good food downstairs that my wonderful girlfriend is making. I think she's making a meatloaf tonight, which, you know, I'm a big fan of that with mashed potatoes. I think it's one of my, one of my go-to meals. I should say, you know, but anyways, big trade happened just before I got off work from this fund today. And that is the New York Islanders acquiring Bo Horvat, a player that I have begged Ron Hexall to go after, was not able to win the prize here. I don't even know if he went after him, to be honest. This was the deal here. If I can um, go get it here for you. Um, the Islanders have acquired Bo Horvat for Ford Anthony Beauvillier, Center Aturati, which is one of their prospects, in a projected 2023 first-round draft pick from um, going the other way. Sorry, I apologize on that. So, again, it's for Anthony Beauvillier, one of their top center prospects, and a lottery-protected first-round pick in this year's draft. That is a very good trade for the Islanders. Lou Amarillo, definitely kind of a weird GM. I think that's a solid move for them. Um, not really sure how much it's going to move the needle just because I still think they probably need a few more pieces to really contend for a playoff spot in a Stanley Cup. I don't really think they have what it takes to truly contend right now. But props to him. He's not giving up on the play in the next weeks before, you know, maybe he sells up other assets and maybe they fall out of the playoff race. Who knows? But he is selling right now. He's saying, screw that. I'm not thinking about selling. We're still in win now mode. I want to go out there and make a big trade. And, you know, he made, he made, he paid the price. In terms of Peng- in Penguins terms, Penguins were to do this trade. That's probably a lottery protected first round pick that they have. Bovillier, that's what a good Kasperi Kapanen comp prospect. I don't know if the Penguins have anyone as good as Ratty in their system. Maybe the closest comp is Owen Pickering, so I don't think the Penguins would have traded him. But you know, probably any other prospect that the Penguins would have, um, they would probably include him in the package. So the Penguins, in terms of that deal, they have two thirds of what the Canucks were looking for, at least. Maybe it could have been all three if they could have included a prospect that was not Pickering. But, you know, it's still a deal that the Penguins potentially could have done if Ron Hextall uh, woke up from his nap. But this just goes to show <clears throat> it is time to make a move. Pressure is on. This is an Islanders team that barely won, has barely won at all in January. They've won, what, two games this month? Going into their last game, they had lost 9 of 10, 10 out of 11 games. And, and Lou Lamorello is still going out there and making a win-now move to get one of the best players on the trade market. There's no excuses, Ron. It is time to go out there and make a change to make this team better. The Islanders did just that. Bovillier has been on that team for a very long time. He was one of their good, he was one of their, well, I wasn't one of their core players, but he was a good player for a good number of years. Slacked off a bit this year. Lamorello did not, did not have any problem <clears throat> with, part, with parting with him, but this just goes to show the pressure is on. Hextall, you went out there and did a great job re-signing that core in the offseason. You brought back Brian Russ. You brought back Ricard Raquel. You owe it to all of those guys to go out there and make a big-time move. I don't care about a first-round pick in this year's draft. I know the team is going to stink. If the freaking Islanders are going out there making win-now moves, when they are behind you in the standings, you need to be doing the same, and you need to be really looking to see if there's an upgrade out there for your third and fourth line, preferably your third line. Because Horvat, he makes the Islanders better. He can play any line. 
for that team. The Penguins need to find a player, I don't know, maybe not as good as Horvat, but someone, you know, in a similar boat <clears throat> when it comes to that. And there will be plenty of options out there, I think, for the Penguins, especially as, um, you know, the deadline gets closer. I think this deal indicates to me that that's it's kind of a buyer's market. You know, I don't mind that return for the Canucks, especially when it's someone who's a rental after this season. But they still got three pieces back, and the Islanders still traded their first-round pick, even though it's lottery protected. Um, Gail, the okay roster player, decent prospect. Um, but, you know, they don't much care about that. They're going all in. They see that Sorokin's having a hell of a year. They know Barzell is not getting any younger. Anders Lee's still having a good year. You know, Brock Nelson's been a little bit snake-bitten, but he's probably going to wake up at some point. They have some pieces there, but, you know, maybe not good enough to pr- maybe fully contend, but they're still going for it. Time for Ron to do the same thing. There's no excuses. Sorry, that's just not how I see it. So really wanted to touch on that in this second segment. And let's get into just how big these next few weeks are for the Penguins. You know, I, I listened to 32 Thoughts today and Elliot Freeman said he thinks that he is really starting to ratchet it up in Pittsburgh as they try to maybe talk to some teams. He thinks there has been more trade chatter as of late. He was right just because we saw the Bill Horvath trade. But it sounds like there is some other chatter as well. And he was it was interesting that he did throw the Penguins into that mix and that it sounds like Hextall could be starting to talk to some teams. No, he needs to start being aggressive. It's I'm tired of this passive approach. If this were Jim Rutherford by now, we probably have seen already seen two or three trades, you know, and I've, I actually heard firsthand from someone who I trust today that a few players on this team are kind of frustrated that Hextall is not really doing anything. That's what I heard though. So um, I didn't get any names, specific names. I just heard that a few players on this team, starting to get really frustrated with the general manager that he's just not really doing anything to improve the team because, you know, it's it's go time here. You got a big stretch run coming up after this All-Star break. You have a week now to really recharge, reset, you know, <clears throat> go on vacation with your families, participate in the All-Star game if you're Sidney Crosby. But, you know, it's now or never, Ron. You got to go out there and show that you can make a deal. You know, he's had a couple of good deadlines the last couple of years. I will say that. The Carter trade at the time was good. The Raquel trade was obviously a steal. Could he have something else up in up his sleeve heading into this deadline? He better. I, I will say that. Um, that does it for this second segment. Coming up in the final segment, um, we're going to get into a couple of other things regarding this team, especially when it comes to the game against Sharks and what I'm looking for improvement-wise from the second half of the season. I'm going to go into that right after we touch on um, now. We will get to FanDuel, the official new sportsbook sponsor of Locked On. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who even will score a touchdown. You know, in terms of who I like here, I honestly think the Eagles' money line is probably the best bet here. They have been so freaking good all season. I know beating the Chiefs is very tough, but they are a they are a machine. Jalen Hurts has been awesome. Their offense is just incredible. Their defense played very well. Um, throughout the season. I like the Eagles money line in this one, but that's also just my opinion. Uh, the FanDuel Sportsback Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So 
Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 in two weeks. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and locked on. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Lawrence with Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So other things from this game against the Sharks where I want to see some improvements on heading into um, the second half of the season. And, you know, and honestly starts up at the top a little bit. I want to see more consistency from Jake Gensel. He needs to wake up. It is. It was not a banner first half for Jake Ensel. I mean, this is a player who I said was going to score 50 this season. Doesn't look like it's in the cards right now. In the first half of the season, you know, in, in 45 games, 20 goals, 46 points. You all are probably going to say, Hunter, what are you talking about? That he's at a point per game, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he is. And that's fine. <clears throat> but that said... I expected him to probably be at a little over 20 goals right now. He just hasn't looked like the same player goal scoring wise point production. I am fine with it. Point per game. Very, very good. But I still want to see him put more pucks in the back of the net. Ditto for Brian Rust. Thought he had a really nice goal against the Washington Capitals this past week. Still want to see more consistency from him. I don't think he's playing up to that 5 million tag that we, that they signed him for during the offseason. I think he definitely has a little more room to give there. Other improvements. Please, for the love of God, improve the special teams. Especially the power play. Played well against the Sharks. They scored a goal. But that said, it's been way too inconsistent this season. I don't like that. This this unit with surefire Hall of Famers and other very good players should not be in, in the middle of the pack in terms of, you know, just power play percentage. It's not good enough. I'm sorry. Um, it's not a penalty kill. I also want to see get that back. You know, this was a top three unit for a lot of the season. It slid down, I think, to ninth or tenth now in the league. That's fine, but it was also at a, at a very good clip earlier in the season. You know, it needs to be better in a big way. Player, another player who I want to see better in the second half, Teddy Bluger. He is a shell of his former self right now. I don't know what has happened to him. I don't know. If it was him losing both Brandon Tanev and Zach Aston Reese, um, I, I don't know if it was him using losing some of his linemates from last season. You know, Frederick Reese played with Frederick Goudreau a couple seasons ago. Last season played some with Edwin Rodriguez and stuff down the fourth line at times. But he is not the same player, and it's showing. Whether it's on five and five penalty kill, especially, um, he had a, a beautiful chance to make it five four Penguins um, <clears throat> in the second half of the third period this past weekend. And just almost whiffed on that chance. He should he should have scored on that if he just tucks that puck a little to the right. It's an easy goal. I think he had Kakin and B. So he needs to wake up in a big way here down the stretch. He's only on pace for not even 10 points this season. He's a free agent. He keeps that up. There's no way he's coming back. So at least, you know, I want to see improvement from him. And you know, to, to excuse me, you know, those are like the main areas of improvement that I really want to see from this team down the stretch. Obviously I want to see them improve the fourth third line. That's just a tire fire at this point. The players on there that right now are just <clears throat> in the worst slumps imaginable. It's just, you know, it's not good enough. Um, trying to think other areas of improvement here from my notes. I, I really do think 
that's it. Top six has been great. Defensively, when they're healthy, I think they're mostly okay. You know, obviously, you can't forget playing in front of the net better, just limiting the odd man rushes, starting games on time, ending periods on time. Please, they got to make those a habit if they want to make the playoffs and extend their playoff streak and potentially, you know, become a Stanley Cup contender that they were looking at, looking like, excuse me, earlier on um, in the season. So that's, I think, all I have to say for this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to this one. It's going to be a little bit of a long week, but still got some guests lined up. Going to have Josh Yelly of The Athletic on for my Tuesday episode tomorrow. Going to record that around 2, 3 o'clock. In the afternoon should be a lot of fun. We're going to get his thoughts on the first half of the season. Who, If he's heard anything trade talk-wise from the Penguins, going to get into um, how concerned he is about the team. You know, all that good stuff for tomorrow's episode. So again, really appreciate you listening to this one. Um, and I'll be back with another episode on Tuesday. Hope you all have a great rest of your Monday.